Voyage. In 1976, a man in Florida tells a cop he has a confession to make. Arriving in Miami, I proceeded to do certain things that I considered to be necessary in the crime that I planned to commit. I had nearly been one of his victims myself. My connection to him would totally change my life. From Orbit Media and Sony Music Entertainment, my friend, the serial killer, is coming June 1st. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to binge all episodes or listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Cindy Summer. I'm Sue Satarsky-Sturm. And our father, Alfred Satarsky, served in the Navy during World War II. He had a best friend, Fred Fonda, who died a hero rescuing other sailors, a death our father never recovered from. Dad was and is and always will be my hero. He taught me from day one believe in yourself, learn how to save money. He gave me little spreadsheets, handwritten at the time. He'd give me an allowance and he would say, budget, create a budget. Dad was very strict, but he had the greatest, most wry sense of humor that any person could imagine on the planet. If I needed advice, I called dad. If I needed my back scratched, I'd call dad. If I just needed to hear a cute joke, I'd talk to dad. Um, but dad basically ingrained in me, and I'm sure in both of us, that you're, you're honest, you work hard, you're straightforward, you pray. You're a good Christian, you don't sin, you don't swear, or at least at the very least limit it as best you can. And the other thing too that I think of that just gives me such a chuckle is that he would always say, your car is a living room on wheels. Remember that, right? But dad was my rock. In one sentence, I would say, Dad was my rock. I miss him terribly. Well, when I first got out of college, we used to commute together. <laughs> and um, um, it was a bit of about 45 minutes. We worked in the same town because he had moved from the Bayway Refinery to Florham Park. But um, I, I, thinking back, it's it was a nice memory to have. So it'd be like in the dark, seven o'clock in the morning, we'd stop at the 7-Eleven and he'd say, okay, you know, why don't you get us a cup of, a cup of coffee and, and the paper? So I'd run in, you know, and then I would never give him the change back. <laughs> he would just kind of like chuckle at that. 
But um, on, the, on the day he retired, I actually picked him up. It was spring of 1983, and it was it was really cute because he had to give his car back. So we went in together with my car, and all the secretaries, you know, just gave him all big hugs. I mean, he was with Exxon for 37 years, and that's, like, unheard of now. So um, that's kind of a nice memory that I have. Um, like, when I first, you know, got out of college and started working and corporate America. Um, and, and like, like Sue says, just all the advice. And now that I'm, I'm on alone to, after my husband passed away, you know, I'd go for him to, for financial advice and, and stuff. And he just, he was where we went to him for advice. One day, Cindy and Sue made a discovery that would take them back in time more than 70 years. All right. We were in the process of clearing out mom's house well well since dad passed away before mom when mom passed away we were clearing out the house and getting ready to put it on the market and cindy came across this envelope entitled a very sad story of world war ii she brought that among many other things back to her home to sort things out later on And she had given me the letters and I read them and we talked about it. And then I gave them back to her sometime last year. And then she held on to them and read them perfect timing on Memorial Day weekend. Was it a bit strange for their father to literally write a very sad story of World War II on this envelope? Dad was a really straightforward guy and... He would always call it as he saw it. So I think the title on that brown envelope was scribed by a man who lost a long time and very, very dear friend. So my recollection is a little different than Sue's. I thought that I read them first on that Memorial Day weekend, and then I gave the whole pile to her to read. But regardless it doesn't matter because the the issue that that really was freaked us out was that we i found metal militia on facebook the website and where fred fonda's picture popped up on memorial day weekend like that was almost like divine intervention like the guys were up there saying saying you know you have to find more about the story, find out more about the story. So even that, you know, the order of what, how we read the letters is kind of irrelevant. Um, but, but yeah, just finding this, this metal militia website at, on that day, when I was reading the letters, Memorial day, just, um, that was just wild. Up popped Fred Fonda's picture and bio on this website on that day that I was reading the letters. I, and I don't know even why. I never asked Clinton like why it was up there that day. So, but I reached out to him like right away. I found his email, you know, and then asked him about if he knew anybody in the in New Jersey or who did, had he been in contact. And that's when he gave me the email for the cousin in Italy. You know, we got. I feel like we got to to really get to know. Our dad in his early 20s, more so than we ever had. Dear Al, glad to hear you liked your ship, for she really was sweet. I hope you stay up there a while, because I'm coming home on leave and we could have another try at it. 
Those girls on Long Island that last night were all right. I liked them. <laughs> you old dude, you. Buying those Palm Beach outfits. I admit they are snazzy and I wish I had the opportunity to wear them. You're liable to get a good suit now. When you do get a look at the guys of your engineering plant, why just pour your troubles into these sympathetic ears? You can make believe I'm the CEO of the base if you like and really let go. I told my folks to contact you when I telegram there I'm coming home, so we won't waste any time. As ever, Fred. Dear Fred, I've sent you something. I debated telling you what it is in this letter in case it goes missing along the way. You'd at least know I tried to send it. But I decided it would be better to surprise you. I hope it brings you some joy or at least annoys your fellow sailors. We missed you in Washington. Al. Dear Al, Sorry to have missed that Washington date, and I hope you received my other letter in time. I couldn't get any reservations, but by luck, I asked the conductor to stick me anywhere, and he put me in the reserve seat coach. Alongside of me is a professor of mathematics from Virginia State College, and so we discussed the whys and wherefore of math and whether calculus has a future, etc. In front of me is a gorgeous creature in an excellent state of development. She, however, is married. Alongside of her is a fortunate Marine. Together they are very friendly and chummy. When dark comes and the lights are put out, he gets his arm around her and she cooperates adroitly. Soon he is kissing her and conducting a reconnaissance of her superstructure. Boy, I bet he's glad to be married to a dish like that, says I, getting the agreement from the professor. Next morning I'm having my coffee in the diner when she sits down opposite me and orders. Bringing the cup of coffee to my lips, I ask politely where her husband is, thinking, oh, he must be shaving or something. Oh, he's down in Florida at the Air Corps training school. I'm going down to see him, she says. I tried to stop it, Al, but the enduring gasp from naive me scattered that coffee all over the deck and some passengers, and darn near choked me to death in the bargain. Boy, we went to college for four years, but it takes life in the raw to get practical things like that. I arrived in fine shape, and so did your guitar. Already they protest, but I shall not retreat one inch. Let me know how the yacht is coming, and I'll let you know whether we are coming into that neck of the woods as soon as I find out. Fred. He never mentioned anything about Fred that I can remember. We only know they were friends in high school and college, possibly even further back, but we may never know. Looking at the high school and college yearbooks, Fred liked fishing like our dad, but he seemed to have had more of an outgoing personality. Fred was in the glee club, band, drama club, all-state orchestra, football, sports editor for the high school chronicle, senior class treasurer. Um, our dad was quieter. Perhaps, perhaps it was opposites attract? As far as both joining the military, I believe it's just what young men did back then. If they were able to go, they went. After high school, they went on to what was then called Newer College of Engineering. Then they enlisted in the Navy and both did a stint at Cornell University that I think may have been compliments of the U.S. Navy. Dear Fred, big news. I've been made a lieutenant. Some of the guys seem upset that it was me and not them. I hope it doesn't lead to any major problems. My parents were happy, so there's that, I guess. As I know, you are always determined to learn the most fine details of all my entanglements with a fairer sex. I've met a woman, Mary, 
and we went out a few times. She snorts when she laughs, but I think it's cute. At least I do for now. We'll see how it goes. She's a little abrasive when she drinks and says wild but crass things, but she's funny and nice to be around. Ask me again in a few months. Oh, also, how's the guitar faring? Al. Hi, Lieutenant. Or may I call you Junior? Boy, that was a surprise. Too bad I can't be home to see you strut around with extra curvature on your shoulders from the weight of the half-stripes. So finally you have some trouble on that luxury yacht. It's good experience, remember that. Boy, you should be having some of my experiences. I'm actually tired. Glad to hear that you met your woman and Mary. That's close and entirely practical on an A-card. And since she's from Elizabeth, she's geographically suitable as well. See if she has a friend who loves the right to sailors. I need that kind of stuff for my morale. It looks rather bad as far as my seeing you in the near future, but that is to be expected in the good old Navy. I haven't heard about any of the other boys. Your guitar is still in fine shape, and I'm getting more proficient every day, Eve. Though they force me not to practice on the fantail, but they can't stop me. As always, Fred. This was actually a letter about the girl from Elizabeth, New Jersey. This one really raised my eyebrows as I was reading those letters. I said, oh, mom was not from Elizabeth, New Jersey. So doing my research, um, I was able to see that one of the items that ended up from Fred's at the Farragut Training Facility in Idaho was a guitar and strings. Um, This center closed in 1946, so... I don't know what happened to his belongings, including the guitar. Whether they were sent back home, we don't know. Dear Fred, I wish for you a week like I've had. All has been well with the men. Nice weather, and even a bit of fishing on the weekend. I know this letter must be making you turn green if the motion of the ocean isn't already. I'm sorry for that. Wish you were here. Your pal, Al. I can see from your letter that you are feeling quite happy. Heaven knows we need a bit of happiness now and then to brighten up a most hectic life. Mail has not been reaching me for quite some time. In fact, I'm surprised to hear from anyone. I guess it'll all come in a bunch. Your guitar is still in excellent shape, but I haven't had much time to practice lately. Oh, brother, how I wish I could join you. A little fly casting on the rugged mountains and streams of Jersey would seem like heaven. King size. I tried a little trolling from the shop, but the strain was too much for the line I was using. I made a rough spoon spinner out of a large tablespoon, and it works fine, but no fish. What you see in getting home weekends, liberty in D.C., and tying up to a dock every night, I can't understand. You didn't mention or submit any progress report on that babe and Mary, but it is assumed that you are conducting your offensive in a credible, seaman-like manner. Give my love to the beautiful, bountiful women of Jersey, and until I see you again, be good. As always, Fred. Just, I think it was a big distraction. Um, just, just to think of of the of, of girls in normalcy and and just something you know positive that you know guys in their twenties would be thinking about and and doing. Um, you know, on the weekends, going out, fishing, having a normal life. The letters about women just made me chuckle. I think. Part of this was a was part, <clears throat> part. I think it was part of Fred's sense of humor. He missed Lyndon. He missed being in person with Dad, and he 
certainly missed having a, as he called it, buxom blonde on his arm. Uh, so I think that this was also, in a way, part of Fred's sense of humor and also his way of maybe grounding himself to, in the future, this is what I want to be doing. I want to go on a date. I want to go out with beautiful girls. I want to go fishing with Al. So I think that the one of the points in common, of course, was women. Dear Fred, leave was good. We packed sandwiches and went fishing again, but a beer too. It was warm by the time we could drink it, but hey, it's still beer. Being out in nature really makes you mellow out. You asked for an update on Mary? She kind of forced her way into the fishing trip, but I guess that's okay. She's got a pretty smile, but boy, I have to tell you, that snort laugh is starting to bug me. I know it's a stupid thing, but combined with her way of being a little too pushy at times, it gives me pause. But look, apart from that, she's a great gal. Fun, pretty, and I know I'm lucky to be with her. We're doing some mind sweeping. It may sound exciting, but it's the most dreadfully boring time you could ever have in your life. Al. Your description of your seven days was wonderful. Perhaps too wonderful because it made me reminiscent, and that's a sign of age. I could just picture you whipping the fly rod back and forth, gathering momentum as it were, and then giving forth with a beautiful cast right into the tree in the opposite bank. After your screaming subsists and the muttering died down, I see you trying to get across to untangle the mess. Trout are now leaping all around you, probably rising for the same fly which is tangled up in the tree. Oh well, so it goes, but at least you caught some fish. Glad to hear you are making time with the fair sex. Keep me posted on your progress. It's nice to hear about a somewhat normal life. So you think minesweeping is dull? Well, all I can say is there's nothing dull about this racket. I thought I was used to moving around, but this has it beat for steaming. We traveled so far and so long on one leg, I was getting frantic to find something to burn on my boilers. I had already committed my Liberty Oil and Diesel Oil for the galley and bores. Well, luckily we made it, but I was seriously considering the BTU content of seven quarts of Medic's whiskey and five pints of lighter fluid. As you can see by the change of address, I am now with the real fleet, and for what I've seen, it's a fighting fleet. I doubt that I'll get back to the States again, but after this little escapade is done, I'll be ready to settle down, and I mean settle. As ever, Fred. P.S. You better send letters by airmail from now on. It's a long ways out. Looking at the postmarks, it, it seems some took over a month, and others arrived quicker, so maybe it depended on what was happening at, at the time with the war. I get the feeling that our dad was not thrilled possibly with the way things were being run, uh, maybe wanted more excitement. I did find articles dad kept about minesweepers um, and how they intercepted several German U-boats when part of New York Harbor and the East Coast was closed due to the threat. Uh, the article did not mention Dad's particular sweeper, the YMS-104. Dear Al, don't tell me you sent a letter by ordinary mail. I still haven't received any, and this leads to only two things. Either you're on the move and gotten a transfer, or else you have sent one by ordinary mail. As you can see, my address has been changed, and with this goes the usual implications. How are you making out after your leave with the fair sex? 
Already, I have forgotten what a woman looks like and don't expect to have my memory refreshed for a long time. Out here, I have run into the men who took Guadalcanal. Believe me, Al, it is most refreshing to know some real men who are short on talk, but long in guts, etc. The U.S. Marines. It's quite a contrast with those piddling civilians. Dear Fred, I feel a bit self-indulgent writing so much about my personal life, especially as you're suffering out there in your ship. But you always ask, so it seems like it's of interest to you. I find myself thinking of settling down. I've been on a lot of dates with Mary and other women before her, and no one catches my fancy. When I close my eyes, I just can't see myself with them for good. Something in my gut just knows. I'm not sure where that woman is who will be that person for me, but I think she's out here somewhere. Al. Dear Al. Oh, brother, what a hell you must be going down your neck of the woods. Yachting, sunbathing, fishing, and dates with women even. But don't despair, my boy. I've seen many YMs out here, and they do get sunk now and then. I only received your letter yesterday, so you see it's hard to catch up to the flying Goldsboro. Sometimes I have a hard time convincing the old mayor that salt water does not burn and that it is necessary to put in some place to get some fuel or a reasonable facsimile. I've got sea duty plus. So you want to settle down, do you? I guess your training and staff control and production methods will be adequate indoctrination to the business of producing babies. I guess I'll be ready to settle down too after this shindig. Watching torpedoes skip by and blob drop is a trifle aging. I may not be able to get a letter for some time after this, so hold the fort until I do. Take care of yourself. As ever, Fred. I was so impressed at the perfect penmanship, the free-flowing thought, the humor, oh my goodness, and just the beautifully articulated letters. I mean, I myself still have letters from over the years that I've saved, and they're cherished. And now this is replaced by text riddled with typos and half thoughts, acronyms. Ah, it's just, it's just, there's nothing like pulling out a handwritten letter and holding it in your hand. It's, it's a lost art, sadly. And I, I, for one, I kind of miss it. It's definitely a lost art. And I think it's special when somebody sends you or if you send a written hand, handwritten note to someone. Um, penmanship is a lost art, but it's just, it means something if someone takes the time to write you a letter. Dear Fred, not sure when you'll get this, but I'm getting your letters still now and then, so I'll keep writing in hopes my nonsense will offer you a few moments of amusement. Being a lieutenant has been strange. I don't feel like I should be in charge of anyone. But when it's time to get things done correctly, I find myself yelling with no problem. I believe in standards. Maybe I am meant for it. Who knows? Al. Dear Al, I assume you have your troubles, so it wouldn't be fair for me to burden you with mine. Instead, I should tell tales of fair maidens, moonlight nights, and extensive liberties. But brother, it just ain't so. I need someone's shoulder to cry on, preferably a soft, smooth shoulder belonging to a buxom blonde wench, but why do I torture myself like this? Instead, we have only blood, sweat, and tears. Boy, oh boy, the things I could tell you about what's going on, but I suppose you can guess. I don't suppose you have any idea what male conditions are out here. 
Just to give you an idea, your letter of July 3rd was received on July 9th. It's the only letter I've received for over a month. Heaven only knows where all the stuff in between is. Payday is something that used to occur twice a month. and is only a dim memory at the present time. Probably the most precious thing out here is good or bad, fresh water. Makeup feed is astronomical in the mount and is rivaled only by the crew's thirst. I beg with them, I plead with them to conserve, but to no avail. I've taken to wearing a gun, promising to shoot the first one I catch wasting water on the charge of acute cruelty to the ship's evaporator. I can just see you polishing your glasses for the grand approach to the dock. Probably your voice starts screaming at the helmsman before the first line is over, and you probably break down in sobs when the line-handling crew heaves when they should have vast and vice versa. Let's hope, however, that you don't take to chasing the signalman with a gun when he misses a signal light. It is an officer-like. Take care of yourself and let's hope I receive your letters with the same rapidity as the last one. My MM1C and auxiliaries just reported that one of the deck guys broke open a lock I had on a water valve leading to the crew's showers. As I reach for my gun with murder in my eye, I must sign off. As ever, Fred. Dear Fred, I hope you have not murdered anyone. I'll also mention in case someone screens your letters that I am joking. It would be just like you to get arrested for writing something silly in a letter. Mary and I are on again and off again. I raise a toast to you every time I knock back a cold one. But if it makes you feel any better, those times are fewer and fewer now. Al. Fred had been sent to serve on the USS Green in the Asiatic Pacific Theater. The Green was there to handle escort duties from Guam to Okinawa, Saipan, and the Philippines. After the war, she evacuated POWs from Nagasaki. The Green came to a halt during Typhoon Louise in October 1945. Winds in excess of 100 knots drove her aground. Um, and she was damaged beyond repair. Dear Al, Well, old sock, I finally received all your letters, and as usual, they arrived in a bunch. Naturally, the things to tell cannot be told. I was not the only one who leaped ashore as soon as the first line was over and let the good earth sift through my fingers, cry hysterically, Land! Land! And fall on my knees in a sobbing heap. But we are our normal selves now that liquor stocks have been adequately depleted. Now, Caliban wanted a handful of stars, but all we ask is a handful of women. Sorry to hear you are in the same furrow, but oh, what I'd give to exchange places with you until my poor physique comes back to life. The next time you take the babe in your arms, pucker up, and commence coming in on the thought that you might remember me. The situation with me remains the same. The ship acquired some athletic equipment, and so now we will take exercises every day and also box a few rounds. It might bring our health back, at any rate, we are willing to experiment. Meanwhile, the diet of vitamin pills continues with an occasional salt table for variety. As ever, Fred. Dear Fred, well, I took Mary home from a night out on the weekend and ended it. She told me I could have just told her before we went out. She cried a little. I wasn't sure what to do. It was awful. Ending it with a lady is on my top five list of things I enjoy least. Perhaps that's the bright side of your situation. Al. Dear Al, I'm afraid the pleasures of life are still escaping me, and from the sound of your letter, I'd say that you aren't having too good a time of it either. I'm sure you did the right thing. My folks write me about your leave, and I must say they were glad to see you. 
You didn't mention how the hometown looked, but I guess we may assume it was its usual dead self. How I miss those mosquitoes, though, especially at this time of year. I've forgotten what women look like, but I'm sure I can become indoctrinated quickly when I return. I may not be able to get word to you for a month or maybe two or even more, so don't be surprised by a silence. I've got a date. As ever, Fred. Dear Fred, I must admit, I am beginning to envy you doing something tangible out there. Our superiors find ways to keep us busy, but busy is the key word. We're just doing busy work, hamsters in a wheel trying to end a day. I wouldn't mind being out there with you. I know that might sound crazy. Al. Dear Al, why you poor fish? There you are fighting off women, having your beer on schedule, probably liberty every night and weekend leave to go home. For you, my heart bleeds. And yet you say you're going crazy with doing nothing and want to get out here. There must be something to explain your madness, but I'm afraid I can't find it. Oh, if I could only show you the light. And oh, if I only had your shoulder to cry on. Do I have troubles? Had a chance to go swimming and had a fine time. There's only one restriction out here, and that is you have to wear skivvies or trunks. Reason? The nurses carry long glasses. As ever, Fred. I think Fred liked to chide Dad from time to time that he got leave to come home far more often than Fred. But also, Fred knew that Dad was a perfectionist, and he always was. So it may be that Fred, knowing this, thought Dad just wasn't having a good time, meaning not having a good time if things weren't 100% ship shape, so to speak. Um, so that's the best way I can see it. It's like, in other words, if Dad did not feel that everything was 100% pin perfect, that would mean that Dad was not happy and not having a good time. And Fred knew how to push Dad's buttons, and he did, every chance he got. Dear Al, well, here I am, still able to write through the grace of God, no doubt influenced by my fervent prayer. Haven't received your letter as yet, so I assume everything is the same with you, which is tough. Much has happened over here, but unfortunately, I can't tell you about it. What gives in Linden these days? The Linden news is being sent out to me, and maybe I'll see it someday, but until then, I'm in the dark. Who knows what evils may have befallen our fair city. We had a chance to have a beer party on the beach, only someone brought some whiskey and rum, which was taken straight. The chemical reaction proceeded along definite lines, as we learned in NCE, and the results were four wounded and two slightly wounded. We got them all aboard, however, with everyone on the road to recovery at the present date. As ever, Fred. P.S. Remember me to your folks. Dear Fred, New Year is coming. If you were here, we'd go out together and make a mess. I'll have to settle for Sully. Wishing you peace and rest, and you know the rest. Al. Dear Al, received your most short letter under most peculiar circumstances. But what's the difference as long as they come? Now here I am with some leisure time no less, and a typewriter to boot. The sea is a little rough, so don't mind if the carriage rides a few extra spaces. The news from home is so good that I don't think it requires comment. Lyndon, bless its heart, is... Son of a bee, some of the Pacific just came through the open port and swamped me. You can see by the paper, but I've gotten along too far to start over again. 
As I was saying before being interrupted, Linden will still be the same old place. I hope your folks are all in fine health, and I wish you would give them my regards on one of those weekend leaves you managed to get. I don't know if I told you, but I'm going to receive the Linden news from now on, just so I'll be able to keep up with the home front. The recreation situation remains the same with no signs of change. Even if we get the time, there is no place to go. Some of our men have been away from liquor so long they are starting to get healthy again. Another thing is food. I've forgotten what fresh food tastes like or even looks like. All we get now is canned mush. I wish I had a bone to chew on. And then there is the eternal heat rashes, which make you scratch and scratch, etc. Otherwise, living conditions aren't bad. As a pal, surely you can kiss some sweet blonde for me on New Year's Eve and let her know it comes from me. I detest substitutes myself, but one must be practical. As ever, Fred. Fred would exchange a final letter with Al at a cheerful time. Dear Fred, being an engineering officer sounds great in theory, but in practice, it's a nightmare. Is anyone awake out here? It's as if every single task must be triple checked. There's a man under me who, I swear, this guy could screw up making a hot cup of water. I am slowly being driven insane by incompetence and low standards. The days are long and tedious. I am tired. Al. P.S. Merry Christmas, pal. Dear Al, I hope you won't mind, and even if you did, it wouldn't make any difference. But I had to pass your masterpiece concerning the trials and tribulations of the engineering officer during a yard overhaul around for the amusement of my fellow officers. It was a Lulu, and so true. I only hope you get through it with a reasonable amount of your sanity left. A couple of days ago, the crew had the temerity to challenge the officers to a baseball game. Today was the first day I could move a muscle after that grand game. Oh, brother, the first time I ran to first base, I realized that something was missing in my physique. I was tired, and some of my muscles refused to function. But for the honor of the team, I and my fellow officers kept on. We were a sad-looking bunch of muscle-bound men when we got through. What a fight we put up. The last seven innings were scoreless. Our defense was tight. The crew was also a little tight. The spectators passed out about the sixth inning when the beer ran out. Oh yeah, they managed to eke out a victory over us by a score of 17-5. to The folks wrote about your visit. It may not be long before I get back myself. I hope you can be home with your folks at Christmas time. At any rate, Al, I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And don't forget to give your folks a piece of these. As ever... Fred. On November 9th, uh, Lieutenant Fred Fonda was in charge of a group removing ammunition from the after-handling room on the ship when it was grounded at Buckner Bay, Okinawa. Um, Lieutenant Fonda entered a gas-filled compartment to rescue three men overcome by gas. He persisted in the task until he himself was stricken. Despite the danger from deadly fumes, he persisted in this voluntary task. A citation reads, Lieutenant Fonda's outstanding loyalty to his men and devotion to duty were in keeping with the highest traditions of the U.S. Naval Service. Uh, He gallantly gave his life for others. Um, Fred um, ended up going to Arlington National Cemetery. The only thing I wanted to add is that we tried and tried 
to find the letters that dad wrote to Fred. And I was able to find the family that purchased the family home in Linden, or so I thought, and wrote recently to the son, whom I thought was the current owner. I actually got a phone call from this man, and his turns out that his dad was a Purple Heart in the Korean War. Turns out that he rented the Fonda home, but he knew the owner, another long-term Linden resident, and gave me the name of the actual owner, Bean. I act, And he gave me the phone number. I spoke to Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean knew Fred's story and let me know that his dad bought the Fonda home from the Lilly family in 1961. So my guess is that the Lilly family purchased it from the Fondas. I'm still searching further because Fred Fonda had a sister who, just doing the math, math must be deceased, but I cannot find an obit, so God bless her. These strong-hearted Lindenites, she may very well be a hundred and a few years old and still with us, I hope and pray. Cindy tried to track down more about Fred as well. Okay, so on Memorial Day 2021, after I attended my town's Memorial Day events, I came home and opened the envelopes. After I finished reading them, I got on the internet and tried to find more information about Fred Fonda. Amazingly, I came across Fred's picture from a website called metalmilitia.com. The owner, Clinton Foster, buys and sells war medals. I was amazed at how many are out there unclaimed. Um, anyway, after reading up on Fred, I definitely believe it was a sign that they're up there re reunited. Um, our dad passed in 2012, but it wasn't until early 2021 when I found the letters after our mom passed. I immediately contacted Clinton. He said he had been in contact with a cousin, Sarah, of Fred's in Italy. He gave me her email address, um, and Sarah did answer. She said she really doesn't have much information. She praised Clinton on what a wonderful job he's he'd done collecting information. Um, he She did know that Fred also sent letters to her grandfather, his co Fred's cousin in Italy. But after Fred died, he lost contact with the family. Sarah said the parents and Fred's sister never left New Jersey, but they did move out of the house they were living in when Fred passed away. Um, and nothing was sent to the family in Italy. That's right. The letters from Fred to Al are 100% real. His words recovered from so many years ago. But the letters Al wrote to Fred have never been recovered and have been recreated here using the information Cindy and Sue know about their father and context clues from Fred's writing to present the obvious bond between these men that caused Al to keep these letters for his entire life to the best of our ability. Well, I think dad loved Fred. I know it must have hit dad hard. Um, it's such a shame that he never talked about Fred. Final thoughts is that you know, surely and simply based on these letters, at the same time that these men were young, they were very mature men as well in so many ways. I mean, in their humor and how they articulated font chides between one another, discussed the war, dreamed of better times, missed Linden and their roots. They were young and turned into very mature men. 
the war did that. Dad and Fred were very close friends who clearly had a great deal of fun together. I believe that when Dad found out that Fred had died, that he was greatly saddened. I really think that Dad dreamed of himself and Mom and us and that beautiful blonde who would have become his wife. Plenty of kids to all gather at barbecues to play as the adults reminisced about war, but maybe limited talk about that, possibly. And just enjoying the continuation of their bond and strong friendship. So I think the letters that Dad so neatly placed in that brown envelope, so titled A Very Sad Story of World War II, contains on paper what Dad so had hoped to be instead the presence of a cherished and dear friend, the presence of a cherished and dear friend since high school or even before for many, many more years to come that were afforded to the hero, Fred Fonda. I know that he and Fred and mom and all these wonderful, wonderful Navy men and women, these wonderful service men and women, they're proud, they should be proud, we are proud of them and we are just so grateful for their service. True War Stories, Mission Report, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore. This episode, A Wartime Hero's Letters, was written, directed, and produced by Dan Benamore, based on the research and findings of Cindy Sommer and Sue Sturm. You can see Fred Fonda's personal profile, as well as all the other incredible military history of medals cataloged at metalmilitia.com, the website mentioned in this episode. That link is in the show notes. Starring Ray Carcillo as Fred and John Cahill as Al. Edited, sound designed, and mixed by John Higgins. Original music by Darlis Gonzalez. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening. And subscribe now for future episodes.